You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to Luke's English Podcast. How are you today? I hope you're fine. Hope you're doing fine out there in podcast land, whichever corner of podcast land you live in. Because podcast land is a square, by the way. I don't know if you knew that. So you can live in one of the... And everyone lives in the corner parts. <laughs> what am I talking about? I don't know, really. Anyway, welcome back to the podcast. And I hope that you're doing fine wherever you are, whichever corner of podcast land you are currently residing in. Now, this is a special bonus episode about studying at university in the UK. And it's being published here in paid partnership with Study UK and the British government's Great Britain campaign, which encourages people from around the world to study, visit, trade, invest, live and work in the UK. In this episode, we'll be focusing mainly on the studying and living parts of that, specifically what it's really like to go to university in the United Kingdom as an international student. This episode is especially relevant for students in the European Union who are thinking about studying in the UK. For example, students from Germany or indeed any other country which is part of the European Union. But I think this will also be interesting and useful for all my other listeners, no matter where you come from. The UK has a lot to offer in terms of higher education, including world-class, top-rated universities and colleges with excellent teaching and facilities, a great social life and social events, and of course the chance to have a wonderful experience moving to another country and living in a vibrant and inspiring place where you can meet other like-minded people and make memories which will last a lifetime. Can you imagine that, listeners? Can you imagine finding the right course for you at a UK university, for example, an undergraduate degree course or a master's degree or a PhD even. Uh, imagine finding one that's right for you, applying for it, having your application accepted and moving to the UK and living and studying your chosen subject there for a year or perhaps more. Imagine that. What would that actually be like? What about the skills, knowledge and experience in your chosen field that you could gain from your studies? What about the social events you could be part of and the people you'd meet? What about the differences between academic life in the UK and academic life in your country? Would they be different? What about the student culture and life on the university campus? And what about all the things you'd be able to see and do while living in a place like London or indeed anywhere else across the four nations of the UK, England, Scotland, Wales or Northern Ireland. Imagine what it would be like. A lot of people dream about having that opportunity. And in this episode, I'm going to be talking to someone who is actually doing it, a student from Germany studying a master's degree in England. I'll be asking her about her entire experience, including how she applied, what she is studying, what she thinks of the course and the university, and generally what it's all really like for her. And hopefully you'll see that it's something that you could really do too. And in the second part of this episode, I'll go into some specific details and give specific advice on how to apply to study at university in the United Kingdom, how to get financial assistance 
to help you pay for your studies, various other practical tips and advice, and comments about what can really make studying in the UK a truly exceptional experience. So first, we're going to speak to my guest, whose name is Lioba Berndt. Lioba is a university student from Germany, currently studying at University College London, that's UCL. So let's find out from her what it's really like to be a German student living and studying in the UK. So let's get started. Lioba, hello. Hi. Hi, welcome onto my podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, nice to be speaking to you. How are you this morning? I'm doing great, actually. Woke up feeling super energetic and I'm really excited for this podcast. What about you? Yeah, fine. Totally fine. Yeah, me too. It's a nice uh, sunny day here, which always makes me feel much better. And I've got a cup of tea, so I can't ask for much more than that. <laughs> so where are you? Are you in your... Uh, are you in halls of residence? Yeah, exactly. I'm in a student accommodation at the moment. Yeah. Um, so. Okay. Well, are you sharing with other students? Kind of. So I share the kitchen with five other people, but we all have our own individual bathroom, which is great because you don't want to share that. <laughs> no, not really. Yeah. So can't complain. Yeah. So I guess that means that you get to kind of socialize with some of the other students and um you have to agree on washing up rotors and stuff like that um i mean yeah but honestly that's not that big of a deal because we have someone coming in to clean i mean just you know like not in too much depth but at least the kitchen so even though we have we definitely have different opinions about what is clean and not, but it doesn't matter that much because there's someone coming in and cleaning. So okay, that's really helpful. So all the, the other students that you share that kitchen with, are they, do they come from different places? Yes, yes, I do. So um, two from China, one from India, and one from Nicaragua, and one from uh, the States. Oh, wow. So very multicultural. Yeah. And the students that you are studying with in your master's course where are they from generally i think 60 percent are international students and about 40 percent are from the uk but most of them are international students yeah mm, very interesting so to tell us about your studies what are, what are you actually studying i'm doing my master's degree in clinical neuroscience clinical neuroscience Exactly. Okay. <laughs> what is clinical neuroscience? Go. You should know. You're studying it. Yeah. It's a lot like medicine, but it only focuses on the brain and focuses more on the research aspect rather than the patient treatment or contact. So we talk about a lot about like how how to treat or how to like what happens in the brain if you develop epilepsy or alzheimer's disease huntington like all the neurological diseases but sometimes we also speak about more psychological or psychiatry related disorders like schizophrenia or depression are you working on something specific right now as part of the course we do a research project for about eight months. So I've just started that in January and there I'm working on 
a project that involves um, computational psychiatry. So I'm like com modeling um, EEG data in people with a high risk of psychosis, um, which sounds really fancy and everything. It's 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 not that fancy. <laughs> Did you say computational psychiatry? Psychiatry. So that's kind of like analyzing data, essentially, right? Yeah, I'm analyzing and modeling the data. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, I would continue this conversation about clinical neuropsychology, but I'm unqualified to do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you're from you're from Germany, and there you are in um, in London. Uh, you're at UCL. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I studied at UCL as well. Oh, what did you say? So I did a postgraduate uh, teaching qualification there. That's where <laughs> I did my Delta at the um, Center for Languages. Oh. It's great. I really liked UCL and I love that part of town. Do you, do you live near the university campus? Not near the main campus, but I'm not too far away from King's Cross area. That's one of my favourite parts of London, the kind of Bloomsbury area where the, a lot yeah. of universities are. So what made you decide to come and study in London then? Many reasons, honestly. Um, in Germany, the master's degrees, you cannot specialise yourself as much. So I did my undergrad in psychology. And I wanted to focus more on the, like, the neuroscience stuff. But in Germany, you, you can't really do that. There are some, but not as specific as there are in the UK, which I thought was really cool. And I really wanted to like look deeper into that. Then, obviously, the research um, is, or the research environment is way more stimulating here. There's a lot more research going on in general in the UK and particularly in London. And I've actually I worked with um, someone and she went to UCL and did her master's degree here. And she was always talking super enthusiastically about it and was like super excited. And she really recommended that. And then I looked deeper into that. I was like, okay, that, that just sounds cool. And I've been to London before and I really love the city. I'm from Berlin, so I'm already used to like a big city, love living in a big city. So many, many, many reasons. Mm. Um, I really love it here. What do you like about London? Oh, many things. First of all, I'm a huge fan of musicals, which is just <laughs> it's just great here because there's so many. Um, yeah, the pop culture, it, it's, it's great. Um, it's in general a very active, vibrating city. The nightlife is quite good. And so many things to do in general. So many things to do. It's a big city. I think I have not seen all parts yet. Um, even though I try to always explore new areas, but it's just, yeah. And also so different cities with like uh, parts of the city that almost seem like individual cities. Yeah, definitely. That's that's London. It's kind of like lots of different towns all joined together. Exactly, exactly. And I love that. I do love that. All right. Tell us about the whole experience, though, of starting in Germany and then coming over to the UK. What was your undergraduate degree there? in Germany. What did you study in Germany? Uh, I studied psychology. So kind of related to what I'm studying now, but not the same. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I decided that I wanted to study abroad, like after my first year, I was like, mm, okay, and then I started to look into that. But um, I started applying after my second year, um, which was kind of like, you don't do that in Germany. You don't do that. I was the only one who was already thinking about, like, what would I want to do, like, what type of master's degree, because 
um, I've never written like a um, personal statement before, or I've never had to ask someone for a reference letter because that's just not how it works. For us, only the greats, that this is what counts and nothing else. So that was completely new. And I had, and like the people that I studied with, they're all like, okay, I've never done that either. Um, so that was kind of challenging and new, uh, but also like cool experience. Um, but yeah, definitely took some time to apply like a year hat. And then I, yeah, I was quite stressful because so I handed in my bachelor's dissertation beginning of August um, and uni started here mid of September but I needed all my grades before coming here so that was kind of stressful <laughs> um, and my final how did that work how did that work so you, you handed in your final project um, in Germany in in August uh, but, and then this course in London started in September so what the, the grades came through sort of when at the end of August or something yeah end of August I got like the the de- the grades but not the official degree certificate so I needed to text the uni and be like hi could you maybe like write something that I can prove I have a degree here like I'm done <laughs> um, yeah yes and they did that they were really nice about it but I I got my official degree certificate I got that in December so it would have been way too late. <laughs> but the university were, were willing to kind of go with uh, the kind of preliminary grades that you got from from your German university. Yeah. UCL kind of accepted that. Um, yeah, okay. They discussed it. I, I sent it in and they were like, yeah, we have to discuss whether we can count that. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, but it's interesting that they, it, they're quite open for kind of discussion it's quite informal uh, yeah absolutely absolutely i mean still those were my official grades like my official transcript of records and everything it, there was just you know the sign missing of the like the head of um the uni and in, in germany so so talking about the application process what did you actually have to do then okay so i had to write a personal statement uh, which was like a page long, approximately. Yeah. And what then, did you, what did you, what did you have to include in that? Mostly my motivation to to study there, why exactly that course, why exactly UCL, um, and also my previous experiences, um, like what have I done so far, why am I qualified? Because it's a very competitive master's degree. Um, what qualifies me? And then I had to send in one reference letter um, of someone from the university. So uh, academic related, not professional related. One of your professors basically saying, yes, she's a good student. Yeah. I'd recommend her. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah, UCL only requires one letter. Like many UK universities want at least two or three for UCL. It's fine with one. And I think that's it. Like, uh, the other stuff was just, like, my name, address. Um, just the standard application form stuff. Exactly. Which course you're applying for, your name and address, blah, blah, blah. And that was all that done online then? Yeah, 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 exactly. And sending in my transcript of records, official degree certificate. Uh, if you don't have it, you have to send it in later. 
your ID and and stuff like that. That's all done online as well. You don't actually have to send anything through the mail, no no post or anything like that. It's all done online. Okay. What about getting the student visa? Was that complicated? From some people, yes. If you're from the EU, it's quite easy. That's good. That's good to know, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And also you get, so you have to pay for the health insurance here, even if you're from the EU, but you can get the money back because your home insurance covers it, but you have to pay it first and then get it back. It's a little complicated, yeah. but you still don't have to pay that much. So it's it's fine. <laughs> what about actually coming to London then? How did you travel to the UK? I, I actually came by bus. Which, um, right, you, you can just take a bus to England, can you? <laughs> I mean, yes. Um, <laughs> it, it takes some time. It was like 24 hours bus drive. Um, but I figured since I had stuff to bring with me and big luggage and everything, that that was actually the cheapest version for me, even though it mm-hmm. took some time. I can sleep on a bus, so it didn't really matter for me. To me, I was just asleep most of the time. So that was fine. Um, yeah, it's quite. It's good to know that there's that kind of cheaper option. Yeah, it also depends because I got lucky. I didn't pay much. I paid like thirty euros to get from Berlin to London, which is thirty euros insanely cheap. Yeah, that's why. I, <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> Um, right. That, yeah, that's why you did it. Yeah, exactly. yeah, and and also, yeah, you don't have to pay for all of the. If you flew, then you'd have all that extra luggage, yes. you know, that you'd have to pay for and stuff like that. Yeah, um, and it's also also better for the environment. So, does the bus actually go um, through the tunnel, or does it go on a on a ferry? A ferry. Well, that was also cool seeing, like I don't know, the coast of, of England. The White Cliffs of Dover, the yeah. famous White Cliffs of Dover. It's it is quite a iconic uh, thing to see that actually yeah it looked really nice i also went a couple of weeks ago to to dover to to hike there like hike <laughs> mm-hmm. um there but it's really nice yeah that is it's a beautiful spot with the with the there's like grass on the tops of the, mm-hmm. on the tops of the cliffs and the cliffs themselves are, are rather beautiful okay and what about your first days in london so there you were you just arrived so I arrived at night um, and I had to take um, yeah, the tube to actually get through the accommodation and then the whole check-in process was kind of, it took some time because many people arrived on that day because we were supposed to arrive on that day and um, that really took some time. And um, when I arrived, I was really shocked because in this accommodation, there was literally nothing. I didn't have sheets, not a curtain. There was literally nothing in this apartment. So the first thing that I did the next day was I went straight to Ikea to buy some stuff, also plates, I don't know, a knife, fork, everything. Um, Because, yeah, there was just not much here. (laughs) But that was cool because um, then I could just buy the stuff that I really wanted to have and already explore a little bit of the city. And then we had um, like a small gathering from the accommodation where you can get to know people, which is really cool. And yeah, I was the first one actually to arrive in my flat. Um, So, yeah, I met all the flatmates after because they just arrived some came in three weeks later 
but yeah, so I secured the good spot in the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> What's the good spot in the fridge? Is it the top part? <laughs> because it's also the bigger one, so yeah, right, okay. there's much space, even if you want to put in a bottle or every- anything like that. So. <laughs> well done. Little tip there, listeners. <laughs> Arrive early. Arrive early, get the best spot in the fridge. <laughs> um Okay. And then what about, so the university, what was your first day at college? So, yeah, we had an introduction week where, um, yeah, I met some people, you know, connected a little. I already knew one because she, she's also living in the same accommodation and we met the night before. So that was, that was cool because we could go together and we had not proper lectures, but lectures on like, what are the expectations? What are we going to do in this course? Um, the requirements and everything. That was really helpful, especially for the social interactions and already getting to know some of the coordinators um, or su- potential supervisors um, for a project. And what about sort of social events and, and stuff like that? Were there opportunities to kind of make friends with people and hang out and do cool things? There are so many, especially the first weeks. But even now, it's still the students' union. They organize so much; it's it's insane. I I I, I was completely um, <laughs> overwhelmed. Know, all over the place, yeah, exactly. Because there's too many things to go to. Whatever you like, there's so many different sports clubs. Um, or I don't know, music, theater, just business related, like literally there's uh, something for everyone, uh, which is cool. And a lot of parties, a lot of wine and cheese nights, too many things. So it was really hard to choose, like, where can I actually go? Because I wanted to try everything, um, especially different sports, because um, you don't have to join the team right away, but mm. you can just try and, and be like, oh, I like that, or I don't like that. Um, I thought that was real cool. What did you choose to do then? What kind of stuff are you doing as well as your studies? So I, I tried out a couple of different sports. I, I really liked the kickboxing. Um, oh, yeah? Yeah, that was really cool, but a lot of commitment. So <laughs> I don't have the time for that. Kickboxing, all right, okay. There are also which I really like their Zumba classes. Um, Zumba? Where you can, yeah, where you can go. I, I do that at home with my mom, actually, <laughs> which is really cool that I can do that here as well. What, you, what, um, what is Zumba? I've never actually done it myself. It's a mix of dancing, but also fitness. And you don't really need to know how to dance. You just follow the steps. So there's one person in the front doing the steps and everyone just tries to not look like an idiot, but you just, you, you just go with the flow and that's what I like because you don't have to perform you don't have to prove anything you don't have to be good at it it's just about fun and yeah do, doing something for your body be staying active um, and that's something that I really like mm. so how does university life there in the UK compare to university life in Germany does it feel very different oh yeah yeah <laughs> it's, it's completely different because we do have societies and clubs in Germany but they're not that big not at all there are not so many events um so at least the unis that i went to so i obviously cannot uh, speak for every university mm. in, in germany but from my experience and the people that i know 
they're less uh, club societies events. Um, so for uh, my undergrad, for example, we had always had like a Christmas party and sometimes there were like, I don't know, a hike maybe, but that was like two to three events per year. And here it is literally every single week there's an event. Also the student bars, for example, we don't really have that. There's it's it's way more social here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the social actions, yeah. Does it make it hard though to focus on your studies when there are so many social things going on? Or or does it help? Um, both, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think. Mm-hmm. Um it really depends but yeah sometimes you're like mm, but I, I really want to do that but I should study but I really want to do that but it can also energize you to actually sit down focus during the day and then do something nice, uh, nice at night yeah all work and no play do you know that do you know that saying all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy I don't know who Jack is but no. it's just a, it's a saying that we have in English Basically, okay. all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. But, you know, you get the idea, right? Even if your name isn't Jack, um, I, th- I think it still applies that uh, if you just work all the time, then that kind of makes things a bit boring. So, yeah, it's good to have the opportunity to do sort of fun social things as well. What about in yeah. terms of the academic side of things? Is that is, is academic life different to uh, it is in Germany? Yes, absolutely. So the student-teacher um, relationship is way closer. It's way more personal. For each lecture, we have a different lecture, which is cool because you can you can meet so many new people and have really interesting and stimulating conversations with them. And um, yeah, it just gives you insight in like super different research areas. And in general. There are way more also lectures where you can go, you don't have to go, but you, like all, also other researchers are coming there and everyone is sitting there listening and it's, it's very interactive. I like that a lot. How are the facilities? Have you got a good library? So the main library is really, really, really great. The one for my course is super tiny. I don't go there often. I prefer the main one. Mm-hmm. But if you just want to, yeah, yeah. If you don't want to like look anything up, you just want to have a nice, quite steady space, then absolutely, yeah. What about your plans then after you've completed your master's? What, what, no. what's, what's your master's going to allow you to do next, do you think? I want to continue with the PhD for sure. Not necessarily right away. I might take a year off to get some research experience as a research assistant. But yeah, so the goal is to continue with a PhD. And uh, in general, um, ideally, I mean, that's always a big, uh, big idea. But I would love to be able to combine teaching and research. So and I think um, since especially UCL's research environment is so great and there's so much going on. This is really helping me to get my foot into that door and to learn a lot. Like I've learned a lot so far. It's, it's really great. So what about living in the UK then? Culturally, does, does it... I mean, you're, you're from Berlin, so you're used to living in a kind of cosmopolitan, vibrant city. And there you are in London now. Are there any noticeable differences, things that you come face to face with every day that feel different? I think it's hard to tell because obviously I'm living in the student bubble. Yeah. 
it's just super international so i don't know whether this is actually like uk culture <laughs> mm-hmm. the people here i feel like they're more friendly than the germans or or at least i don't know whether they're genuinely more friendly but like the way they interact with you they always say sorry excuse me it's just very very polite whereas germans are very honest very straight very (laughs) very blunt and direct yeah exactly Uh uh-huh so i like that about the british people here but in general it's very similar to germany i think how's the weather been oh way better than expected Um, better than expected way better oh that's good i'm very happy to hear that (laughs) also way better than in germany i always send pictures to my friends and family with like me walking in the sunshine and they're like wow it's raining and it's really cold (laughs) in germany yeah yeah. but Uh, here it's in in london it's it's incredible warm is it is it usually that warm yeah it's often like that yeah it's often like that i like that i do yeah i mean obviously in the uk you know if you could the the further north you go the the colder it gets but uh generally speaking the weather in in the uk is much better than people expect it to be there is this 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 there is a stereotype obviously it does rain and it can be cold and it can be gray and stuff like that but uh it's it's not always like that and um, one of the things that we get in the uk is changeable weather right so mm-hmm. it's like the, the the thing about rain is that people think that it rains all the time but the the thing is that it can rain at any time you know? yeah. so yeah absolutely be prepared for a shower like the weather is changeable but it's um yeah it's often sunny and and lovely and, and nice and warm which is pleasant isn't it yeah nice surprise so generally have you got any any tips for them uh, yeah um so make sure you have enough time to actually apply and especially secure your financial situation it's important to have enough time to really have a look into possible scholarships or other types of financial support so the application process was quite easy but making sure you can finance (laughs) your studies here that's actually the big part and especially if you're applying for example for a phd here i've talked to many people and they say like it's very easy to get a phd position but financing it that's a difficult part Mm. so yeah just have enough time to do all of that a plan ahead and don't be too afraid like everything will turn out great just just do it if you're thinking about it just do it and arrive early so you can get the top spot in the fridge exactly that's the most important advice i actually have arrive early the top (laughs) spot (laughs) get that fridge spot claim it claim it first before anyone else does okay Mm -hmm. well leoba thank you so much and yes it's it's a pleasure and uh let you get back to your studies because obviously you're now going to immediately do some work aren't you yeah absolutely right right away (laughs) (laughs) okay brilliant have a lovely rest of the day thanks you too Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> 
So there you go. Thanks again to Leoba for taking the time to talk to me about her university course and her time studying in London. I hope that gave you a good idea of what it's really like to study in the UK as an international student. To be honest, it kind of made me want to go back to university myself, especially when I think of those days when I was studying at UCL as well, and just living in London in my 20s, learning a lot, meeting new people, and spending time in some of my favourite places. They were good times. I want to talk more specifically now about some of the points mentioned by Leoba and also to give some practical advice for studying in the UK, how to do it, how to apply for a visa, how you could apply for a scholarship to help you pay for your course and some other tips and comments. So first of all, applying for a student visa. If you're considering studying abroad and you've been thinking about the UK, then you might be concerned about the process of getting a student visa. You might be worried about all the administration and the paperwork, but actually it's probably a lot more straightforward than you might expect. Leoba said it wasn't too difficult, really. And the UK's admin, that's the, the administration, you know, the paperwork, admin in the UK is generally not too complicated. It's a pragmatic place and therefore the process of getting admin done is usually a bit more simplified than it is in some other places. Like in France, for example, and I speak from experience because, I, you know, this is where I live, um, it can be a remarkably complicated process to get official paperwork done in France. And I think any French listeners will agree with me on that. But in the UK, to be fair, it is relatively simple. No need for long queues at embassies or kind of other government buildings or anything like that. You can do the entire thing online, including having your ID checked through an app for most EU students. So you don't actually need to send anything in the post. It's all done online. Uh, all the details that you need uh, can be found on the UK government website. Okay, And I'm going to be referring to various links during this part of the episode. And those links contain really, really useful information and services that can help you if you're considering studying in the UK. So about getting a student visa, you can find information on the gov.uk website. The page is study in the UK on a student visa. Okay. And you will find the link for that uh, in the show notes. In fact, all the links you need are provided in the episode show notes. All the links I mentioned, you will find them there. Okay, so study in the UK on a student visa. You can find all the information you need about, about that on that page. And um, that page gives you a step-by-step -step checklist of what you need to do to apply for a student visa. And it directs you to the relevant pages where you can actually do each of those things, including checking exactly which visa you should apply for, preparing everything you need for the application, so that's all the different documents you need and information that you need to, to put into the application, uh, the specific page where you can make your application from outside the UK, so that's the basic online application form, which is all done directly through the website. It'll tell you what documents you need to show at the border and also how to extend your visa while you're in the UK if you want to do that. Okay, so that's study in the UK on a student visa. Now, why might students from the EU want to study at a UK university anyway? 
We heard Lioba mention a lot of the reasons herself, but just to reiterate what she said and expand on it, basically this all comes down to the fact that a degree from a UK university is a very valuable thing to have. UK universities are prestigious, they have excellent reputations and often appear in high positions in world university rankings. A degree, be it an undergraduate bachelor's degree or a master's degree or PhD from a UK university, does add a huge amount to your CV and to your future employability. This is one of my country's strengths. This is one of the UK's strengths, right? Our academic standards. This is something which I am proud of. Our universities are internationally our universities are internationally renowned, and it's not just Oxford and Cambridge. There's a much wider network of other universities and colleges which are also very well respected, experienced and specialised. Plus, as you heard Leoba mention, the academic culture is friendlier and more supportive than you might expect. University lecturers tend to be very accessible and open. The culture is less formal than you might think. And there are all sorts of programmes available to assist you during your time at university. And it's not all about studying as well, because as I said before, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. And I suppose that's also true if your name isn't Jack and if you're not a boy. But, you know, you, you get the idea. It's not all about work, work, work or study, study, study. UK universities put a big focus on the social side of the university experience. And this is reflected in the many different things going on in and around the student union. Ultimately, as well as it being about adding knowledge, skills and qualifications to your CV, it's about the life experience that studying in the UK can give you. It can be an extremely rewarding thing to do, to travel and study and spend a period of your life abroad. And UK universities aim to help you to do that, to have the time of your life while also gaining a valuable qualification. In the UK, we often consider the years you spend at university to be some of the best times of your life. And universities in the UK try to make sure this comes true for all their students. And... The UK higher education system welcomes students from other places, and that includes EU countries, of course. The UK is open to students from the European Union, and UK universities want you to know this. In many discussions of this kind of thing, about UK-EU relations of any kind, there's always the elephant in the room, right? Do you know that expression? The elephant in the room, the thing that people maybe don't talk about, but which is obvious. In this case, the elephant in the room is Brexit, of course. That's always the thing that is kind of in the background in this kind of discussion on this sort of subject. It's the elephant in the room in many cases, but I will talk about it. Of course, Brexit has been a major story in recent years since the UK left the EU. But here's the thing. The UK's universities really want EU students to come and study there. And as a result, the UK government and the academic network in the UK have been working hard to make sure that the path for EU students to come and study is still very much open. They want UK universities to continue to be accessible and attractive to European students. And this means that the government has tried to make the application process pretty efficient and simple. 
They're offering scholarship and funding services for international students to help pay for all or part of your course. And other schemes have been put in place to make things smoother. So overall, it's not too complex to apply, get your student visa and get support for a university education in the UK. Obviously, Brexit has meant that the relationship between the UK and the EU has become a bit more complicated. But rest assured, post-Brexit, the UK is very keen to welcome international students from the EU to collaborate with you in your studies, to make sure you have a great experience. And generally, at the universities, people tend to be very open, very internationally minded and friendly. So we want you to come and learn in the UK, basically. Now, I talked about applying for a student visa. What about other considerations? What about paying for your studies? Now, this is obviously one of the things that students often think very carefully about when choosing where to study. And some students might wonder if studying in the UK might be less financially accessible since Brexit happened. But as I said before, the UK is working to make things easier. And in fact, a number of schemes have been set up for European students, which you can use to get funding to help you pay for your studies or get other kinds of financial assistance. Here's a breakdown of some of those things. Okay, so the first thing to mention would be scholarships. A scholarship is basically when your course fees or part of your course fees are paid for by the government. Scholarships for international students might be offered by the UK government. So the UK government might uh, pay for your course or help you to pay for your course through one of the scholarship schemes. Or scholarships might be offered to you by the government in your country where you live. So we'll first talk about scholarships from the UK government. So Study UK and the British Council have set up a website specifically about scholarships and funding. And this is where you can go to find out what kind of scholarships are available for you and how to apply. So there's another link for you, again, which you will find uh, in the uh, show notes. Scholarships and funding from the Study UK website. So let me now read from the Study UK website in order to explain what kinds of scholarships are available and how to find one easily using the scholarship finder, a kind of search function on the website. So if I just go and visit the website now, this is study-uk.britishcouncil.org slash scholarships funding, which, you know, are you going to remember that? Probably not. So guess what? That's right. The link for that is in the show notes. Scholarships and funding. As it says here, there are many funding options available for international students who want to study in the UK. They range from part funding, for example, paying part of your fees, to full funding, which covers programme fees, living expenses and return flights to the UK. You can search for the right scholarship for you on the course and scholarships finder below. There's a kind of um, search function here where you can search for course keywords. So if you know what kind of course you want, you can search there. You can select the subject from a list of subjects. You can select the level of study, whether it's like undergraduate courses, like a, a bachelor's degree, for example, or postgraduate courses that would include a master's degree or maybe a doctorate, you know, a PhD. 
And you can also select which region of the UK you're looking at, so whether it's England, Scotland, Wales or Northern Ireland or just everywhere. Okay, so you can, you know, you can search and you can find results for the different types of scholarships that are on offer for you. So that's a way of finding them. You can also search by institution. So if you've got a particular institution, a particular university in mind, or you can search by different types of scholarship because there are various different scholarship types available, including what's called great scholarships, um, Chevening scholarships and also Commonwealth scholarships. So various different types of uh, scholarship. Okay, And so that's where you would go to find out the information on you know how to apply for one, what different types of scholarships are available and whether there is a, an appropriate scholarship which you could apply for to help you pay for your course. So that is uh, scholarships and funding from Study UK. I want to now mention scholarships for studying in Wales, because remember, the UK is not just London or England, of course, um, Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland. Uh, and there are lots of different options in those places. Wales, for example, has some very well-rated universities, and this can be a great destination for you to consider. And the Welsh government has its own dedicated scholarship programme to help you study there. There's the Global Wales Postgraduate Scholarship, which is obviously for postgraduate courses. And there's the Global Wales Scholarship for International Students. And these are prestigious scholarships available with Chevening, Fulbright, Gilman and also the Welsh Government's own postgraduate award. So several different types of scholarship for people studying in Wales. If I just have a quick look at that, it says here, the Global Wales Postgraduate Scholarship Programme offers scholarships worth up to £10,000 to study a full-time master's programme in Wales. The scholarships are available to students from Vietnam, India, USA, Canada and countries of the European Union. This prestigious scheme is the first scholarship of its kind in Wales and is offered by the Global Wales Programme, which is a sort of partnership between different bodies, the Welsh Government, Welsh Universities, the British Council. OK, so that's pretty good. You know, they, they're offering um, scholarships for postgraduate and undergraduate level studies in Wales. And, you know, Welsh universities, there are some, they've got some fantastic universities there. For example, Aberystwyth University on the Welsh coast. Founded in 1872, Aberystwyth University has a long tradition of academic excellence. Teaching is research-led and the town is a vibrant and inexpensive place to live. Uh, Bangor University, located near Snowdonia, Bangor University enjoys one of the most beautiful settings of any UK university and balances academic excellence with a great student experience. And also Cardiff University. Ambitious, innovative and creative, Cardiff University is the largest in Wales and part of the prestigious Russell Group with a global reputation for research excellence. And there are plenty of other good universities in Wales that you can consider as well. So that's studyinwales.ac.uk, where you can find out about the different universities and courses they offer and the scholarship and funding options that they have. So that's scholarships from the UK, but also you might find scholarships from inside the EU as well. The EU and EU member states provide scholarships and funding for EU students. 
which can be used for studying in the UK. You'll need to check your country's government programmes for academic scholarships. For German students, for example, this can be done through the German Academic Exchange, which is DAAD, I suppose it's DAAD, right? DAAD dot DE. That's the German Academic Exchange. You can find out about their scholarships there and how to apply for them. And also through the Federal Ministry of Education and Research, which I understand is called BAFUK. Yes. <laughs> and you're all going, yes, Luke, that's right. You pronounced it perfectly well. Good. So there you go. That's academic scholarships to help pay for your studies, either offered by the UK or from your own country. Getting a scholarship does require a bit more time and organisation from you, but it's worth knowing that plenty of students every year are successful in having scholarships granted to them, and they go on to have their studies paid for. So it's worth spending a little bit more time doing some research and then applying for a scholarship if you find the right one for you. You heard Lioba mention the fact that you can get a refund on your health insurance payment if you are a European Union citizen studying in the UK, right? Do you remember her saying that? This is called the IHS refund, the IHS refund. Now, because the UK isn't in the EU anymore, EU citizens in the UK don't get the benefit of the European health insurance card. The card won't work in the UK. Do you have one of those? If you are in the European Union? Do you have the Europe, the EU health insurance card? I used to have one, which was quite a nice thing to have because it meant that, you know, if I needed to pay for medical services or whatever, that I was insured. I had my health insurance card. After Brexit, that wasn't uh, an option anymore. It hasn't really impacted on my life that much. But anyway, if you're a student and you've got the European health insurance card, now it won't work in the UK so instead of having the card, which, as you know, is free in the EU, you do have to make a health insurance payment when you apply for your student visa. So you actually have to pay for health insurance. But the UK government is trying to help with this by offering a refund of that health insurance payment. So you can get your money back, basically. And this is done through an international health surcharge refund. Extremely exciting stuff, as you can tell. You can get this if you have a European health insurance card and you're just studying and not working while you're in the UK. So if you're a full-time student in UK higher education and you have a wonderful European health insurance card issued by an EU member state, then yay, you can claim a refund of the immigration health surcharge payment you make as part of your application process. So that's nice, isn't it? You can find all the information you need about the IHS refund on the gov.uk website. And yes, that link is in the show notes too. By the way, if you are an EU student coming to study in the UK for less than six months, and therefore you do not require a visa, then you don't have to pay the immigration health surcharge at all. And you can access medically necessary healthcare in the UK using your EU-issued European health insurance card. Ah, oh, yes, yeah, celebrate. If you are a six-month student, just celebrate. Go for it. Okay, because if you're in the UK for less than six months, it's all still free with the card. 
But if you're there for more than six months, you have to pay for insurance, but you can get a refund. So it's still party time. <laughs> Obviously, another very common way to help pay for your course or pay for your living expenses is to get a part-time job while living in the UK. So the question you might have is, but Luke, can I work in the UK on a student visa? And the answer is yes, yes, you can. Lots of international students in the UK choose to work part-time alongside their studies. Not just international students, in fact. Lots of British students do this too. It's very common. And you can take a part-time job or do a work placement or internship alongside your studies with a student visa. And this is not restricted to on-campus employment, meaning that you can get work on the university campus, but also anywhere else. And to find out more about the hours and types of work you can do, visit the UKCISA website. All right, UKCISA, that's the UK Council for International Student Affairs. And you're thinking, but Luke, is that link going to be in the show notes? Yes, don't worry, don't worry. That link is in the show notes too, okay, for information about working alongside your studies. For other budgeting advice or you know, tips for managing your money, managing your budgets, you can find lots more information on the Study UK website. And this includes things like special student bank accounts, which banks in the UK offer, and other tips. So that's just the general Study UK uh, website. Okay, that's probably the first link that you'll find in the wonderful list of links, which I'm going to provide to you in the show notes. So as you can see, there are various measures which have been taken to help make it easier for European students to come and study in the UK. And by the way, a lot of those things are also available for students in other places, in other countries, okay? Not just the EU. Here are some other relevant points which are interesting to note. In the UK, master's degrees only take one year, and this allows you to enter the job market more quickly than if you do a traditional two-year master's degree. Also, you can save money by doing that. And if you're already working, you don't have to take too much time away from your career. So generally, the one-year master's degree is a more time-efficient and pragmatic approach to further education. Degrees in the UK are fairly flexible, especially in Scotland, but also in relation to joint honours in the rest of the UK. And there are many options. So joint honours, do you know what joint honours means? Well, this, is, this basically means that you can combine several subjects into one degree course. You can do a joint degree. That's where you're not just studying one thing, but you do a combined degree. Okay, that's, you know, it's just an example of the flexibility that's available. For example, when I did my undergraduate bachelor's degree in Liverpool, I started in my first year doing a joint BA honours degree in sociology and cultural studies. Two different subjects in a combined degree, right? A, a joint honours. Sociology and cultural studies. After the first year, I chose to drop the sociology and then focus on the cultural studies because I found it just more interesting and motivating. But I could have continued and done the full three years and graduated with a joint honours degree. So, you know, you can do that too. And it just shows how flexible the system is in various ways. So other things, there's often a good student teacher ratio in classes. 
as Lioba mentioned, teachers are really accessible and often the teaching style is more relaxed and friendly. Teachers often have an open door policy where you can go and see them for help and to discuss specific things. If you need clarification, for example, or if you're looking for guidance on a piece of coursework, uh, teachers are often referred to by their first names. You, you know, you, when you're talking to teachers or professors, you just use first names, which is a surprise for some students. And you can feel quite comfortable having discussions with them in seminars. It's not considered rude to ask them questions and interact with them, for example. So it's not as formal as you might expect. Groups in seminars are often quite small, which really helps you get more attention. UK degrees have high completion rates, which means that most people actually complete the course, right? They actually finish the course. So dropout rates are quite low. The university wants you to complete the course, of course, and provides lots of different kinds of support to help you to do that, as well as providing a generally flexible approach to your degree. And this all results in high completion rates, meaning you can be pretty sure that you will emerge from your year with your master's degree at the end of the course, if you're doing a master's. I mean, if you're doing a bachelor's degree, it would be strange if you emerged with a master's at the end, wouldn't it? It would be good, but you know what I mean. There are careers services available to help you transition into the world of work when you finish. Careers services. This means you can go to people and they will give you advice on what kind of next steps you can take in order to get into a career. And this is a lot more developed now than it was when I was a student, which is good to know. Standards of educational quality in the UK are generally high, with quality assurance schemes run by the government to make sure that the standards are maintained. And we, we've got things like the Research Excellent Framework and the Teaching Excellent Framework, which are there to make sure that high standards are maintained all the time. Leoba mentioned the social life as being one of the best things about her time at the university and social life is often one of the most attractive parts of choosing a university in the UK. Universities actually compete with each other not just in terms of their academic programs but also in terms of the social programs, the events and other facilities including stuff like the halls of residence where you live and the different facilities that they have. Every university has a students union which is the centre of social life at the university. And there you will find things like clubs, shows, bars, restaurants, cafes, music shows, comedy shows, club nights, sports events, fitness clubs, and all sorts of other things. At my university in Liverpool, there was a student radio station, which I was involved with briefly. I wrote some pieces for the Student Union magazine. I performed with my band at the Battle of the Bands competition and won twice. So there are always things going on at the Students' Union and they want to make sure that the experience that you have at their university is unforgettable. So you can see that there are all sorts of different reasons for studying at the university in the UK and hopefully what I've said has given you a better idea of what it's like, that it's not just an academic pursuit but it's an investment in your life in a way. Um, German listeners, I'm talking to my German listeners again, uh, there is a specific guide on the Study UK website for studying in the UK from a German perspective. It's actually titled The Guide for Parents. So that's something that your mum and dad can read if they are part of your decision-making process. So that's basically it, listeners, for this episode. 
All right, so I hope that does give you a good sense of both what is involved in studying in the UK and why it's a good idea to do it. The main place you can go for information about this is the Study UK website, uh, okay, study-uk.britishcouncil.org. And that's where you can hear more student stories and find out more about studying in the UK from world-class teaching to making memories that will last a lifetime. And remember, all of those links I mentioned are in the show notes, so you can start looking at all the options you have for studying in the UK. Okay? Right, so thank you so much for listening, and thank you again to Leoba for her insights. I will speak to you again in the next episode of this podcast, but for now, it's just time for me to say goodbye. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.